about that. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 19. We're going to start this morning by reading the first six verses. I, I don't make a great big deal out of this, but I've gotten to where I, I understand that if I really want to disciple people in the Word of God, then I don't need to preach two hours to do that, right? I don't need to wear the saints out to disciple them, you know? If I can get 20 to 30 minutes in the Word, I think more of it will sink in and more of it will change our lives. Can you say amen? So, you know, this isn't... I just don't have the number of pages of notes that I normally have, but I believe what we've got is solid. Psalm chapter 19, the first six verses. You, you know how it is that, that sometimes we get caught up into reading the Word of God and we're just going over the words? We can do that, you know. It, it, I notice that when I say to myself, well, I want to read the Bible through in the next 90 days, it doesn't take long for me to catch myself just busting through there. You understand what I'm saying? So I generally end up abandoning that and take longer, and I get more out of the Word of God. But let's be careful today with God's Word. Let's let it sink in. Look, look. God's either true, alive, and real, or He's a liar. He's dead. He's not there. Amen? God is there. Not only do we need to acknowledge the fact that He's real, that He's there, but He's intricately concerned about our lives. We need to let that sink in if it's going to change us any at all. So, Psalm chapter 19, the first six verses, read like this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. We're already at the sky level, right? Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world... In them he has set a tent for the sun. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about his creation, this, this world that he planted here for us, right? So, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. And before I read the last verse, is there anyone here that doesn't understand uh, when I say, isn't the sunrise so beautiful? Or, isn't the sunset so beautiful? Amen? Sunrises and sunsets, and, and, and depending on where you are on this earth that God created, amen? Depends on just how beautiful that sunset and that sunrise is going to be. Amen? Last verse, its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Listen to this. This is the first note I wrote and I had to highlight these two words. I wrote, God has spoken through creation not only to make his existence known but to say something about the kind of God he is and I use two words, awesome and glorious. Awesome and glorious. God has spoken through creation, and not only to make his existence known, but to say something about the kind of God he is. Awesome and glorious. And he has spoken in a way that shows the scope of his authority, his reign, and his power over all the earth. You know, I've heard a lot of people debate and argue over, you know, trying to convince someone, for example, that God created this whole thing, you know. To me, that is so much easier and takes so much less faith than it takes 
to say that it's all part of some primordial ooze out of a dirty pond. You know what I'm saying? And you know one of the things that I, I can't help it, I don't say this to many people, but one of the things I fall back on isn't the beauty of this or the beauty of that or the magnificence of that or the magnificence of that, but it's a cow. I think of a cow, right? How many of you once in a while, you know, get, just enjoy a glass of milk? I enjoy a cold glass of milk once in a while, right? From a cow, by the way. I'm not in all this coconut milk and, and almond milk. I like a good, good uh, cold glass of milk from a cow, right? Now, when I, when I, the only times I've had an opportunity to milk a cow, I've always been grateful and I've always said a little prayer. Thank you, Father, for creating the cow the way you created the cow. And thank you, Father, for not giving him the temperament of a badger, <laughs> a honey badger. Can you imagine if the milk we drank today came from a honey badger? Can you imagine, do you know how mean a honey badger is? A honey badger, pound for pound, is one of the meanest animals on earth. God created him that way, but he didn't say, go get milk from that. <laughs> No, he said, go get milk from this. Does that make sense to you? And I'm not just trying to be funny, though I think it's humorous, right? But if a cow did not uh, have the temperament that God gave him when he created the cow, for us to be able to pull up a stool, get down under there, and do a little work, and get some milk, right? From a cow. Now, that didn't come from a dirty pool of primordial ooze. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is one complex universe that we're living in, and it was not an accident. And I tell you, if you look at it with the right perspective, I don't know how you can believe anything else, but that there was an intelligent creator that screams about its creator. Amen? Does that make sense? You know, uh, I just don't understand how people can embrace it. To me, it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in the Big Bang Theory. It's just a whole lot more faith. And a whole lot more faith to think that some things got together in a mud puddle and, and look how it all worked out, you know? I, I just don't, I don't understand how anybody can believe all that. But that's just, and I, and I have a pulpit, and I got a Bible in front of me, and, I, and I, I'm a preacher, I get to say that. Amen? Uh, all right, so anyway. You know, there's a guy named Francis Bacon, lived in the 15th century. He was a scientist, and he was a Lord Chancellor of England at one time. And I read a little bit about, about him, and I just fell in love with him. Because this is what he said. Observing the world around him, Bacon said, There are two books laid before us to study to prevent us from falling into error. First is the volume of the Scriptures, which reveal the will of God. Then the volume of the creation which expresses his power. In this message, we're going to consider how God speaks through creation. But do you understand what that man just said? It says the first volume of the scriptures, which reveals the will of God, that then the volume of the creation, which expresses his power. And let me tell you what he meant by that. What he said is we have the Bible before us that will keep us from falling into error. And you know what he was saying after that? We have science. We have science. He believed that everything in science pointed to an intelligent creator. That's what he believed. He believed that if you study science, 
Unless you twist the truth, you can't get away from the truth of God as a creator. A revelation of God himself. Amen? A revelation of God himself. In the creation account of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God made everything in the physical world, and then he pronounced it good one time. He said it's good. And you know what he said about it the other time? This is God now. Not only was it good, it was very good. <laughs> right, who said that? Raise your hand. Yeah. Not only was it good, but it was very good. Now, God was pretty tickled with himself to say that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, he created it and said it was good, and then later said it was very good. The Hebrew word for good is taub, T-O-W-B. The Hebrew word for good is taub, T-O-W-B, which means pleasant and agreeable. God created this earth to be pleasant and agreeable. And everything, if it wasn't for God creating me and you, what need did he have for creating the planet? He created it. He called it good. Then he called it very good. Then he put us in it. Amen. And why? Because everything that exists here was put here by God for his children. Does that make sense? For his children. That is, God's creation was not only beautiful, but it also accomplished the purpose for which he created it. Creation's beauty and splendor, reflecting the beauty and the splendor of God, served as a resounding choir singing praises to the glory of the one who made it. So let's look together at this. The first point of our message today is the content of creation's message is this. God is glorious. God is glorious. How do I know that? Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare what? The glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. God speaks through creation. In the words of Francis Schaeffer, he's there and he's not silent. That's what Francis said about God. I like to modify it a little bit and make it my quote. He is here and he is not silent. Amen? He's not only there, but he's here, and he is not silent. One of the mouthpieces through which God speaks in his creation, and as David tells us, the message that creation declares is clear, God is glorious. What does it mean for God to have glory? I don't think I've ever discussed this with you from this pulpit. We talk about all of the glory is God's, amen? But what does it mean for God to have glory? The Hebrew word for glory, I was telling the ladies, they, they get in trouble with me because in the morning we're down there, we're supposed to be practicing worship, and I'm down there pre-preaching my sermon. <laughs> I'm just laying it out there, right? You know, getting opinions and that sort of thing. This morning I told them that the Hebrew word for glory is a word that almost sounds like kaboom, right? But it's not kaboom. The Hebrew word for glory is kabowd, K-A-B-O-W-D, kabowd. It often carries this idea of weightiness to indicate the magnitude of something or someone. Kabowd, right? It carries the idea of weightiness to indicate the magnitude of something. The idea of splendor or majesty also comes to mind. In other words, the being behind this incredible creation is no lightweight. Amen? 
The being behind this entire creation is no lightweight. He's weighty. He's full of splendor. He's majestic. And the list goes on and on and on. The creation we observe is great, but its greatness is not a testimony to itself. All this beauty in the world, you know, I know people that love to go to Yellowstone National Park and they sing the praises of Yellowstone National Park. And I think that Yellowstone National Park is a great place. But to me, it speaks of the glory of God, the majesty of God. I don't worship Yosemite National Park. I don't worship Yellowstone National Park. I don't worship Denali National Park. And I've been to Denali, and I've looked at the mountain, and you're still 50 miles away, and it's sticking up like a fist on the horizon, right? It only makes me think of God. It makes me think of God. It speaks of God Himself. Creation is a testimony to the all-surpassing greatness and beauty and splendor and majesty and glory of the one who created it. In the words of Isaac Watts, nature with open volume stands to spread her maker's praise abroad. You know these old guys from hundreds of years ago are amazing. You know, you, you think about Mozart and some of the great composers. Uh, I'm looking around in, in historical you know, things the other day. And I found out that those great composers from hundreds of years ago, do you know what was at the top of their sheet music in that day? It was common to place these words. No matter what the name of the song was, Beethoven's 80th or whatever, you know, um, and I don't mean to make light of that, the music's beautiful, right? At the top of each sheet of music were these words. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Is this true? If it wasn't true, why would they say it in the day and age in which we live? At the top of each sheet of music that they wrote, these, these great composers, was for the glory of God. It, that went at the top of every sheet of music that they wrote, for the glory of God. And some of these people live terrible lives, right? But they, gave, they let their music, you understand what I'm saying? Speak to the glory of God. I think that's powerful. And, I, and the words of Isaac Watts again, nature with open volume stands to spread her maker's praise abroad. Each day, I want us to consider the ways the majesty and beauty of creation sounds forth the message that God is glorious. You know, there's certain things we need to put down on the inside of us. We need to ride around with it down in there, right? And, and let God show us over and over again why it's true. Amen? God is glorious. We need to take time to stop and praise God who is glorious even if it is a prayer from your heart as you're driving down the road. I put that in because I find myself talking to God a lot while I'm driving. You know, it just doesn't seem, you know, it's kind of multitasking, but I seem to be able to handle it, you know? Driving and talking to God. He watches over me. He protects me. He keeps me safe. We need to look for opportunities to use the glory of God in creation as a bridge for sharing the good news about reconciliation with this glorious God through repentance and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, hundreds of thousands, if not, I don't know how many preachers, have used that exact line, talking to His people in His church, thousands of times probably over the years. It is, I mean, it, it's almost canned. It says, look for opportunities to use the glory of God in creation as a bridge for sharing the good news about reconciliation with his, this glorious God 
through repentance and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. You understand what I just said about that? Doesn't it sound... It, it's a powerful sentence, but it, it's been spoken many times, more times than we can count by preachers in this world. But the reason why I, I wrote it out the way I've heard it so many times and read it to you again is for this reason. You need to listen to me carefully. In the sound of my voice, I don't care whether it's a recording or you're in this room, listen to me carefully. There's an expiration date on this world. There's an expiration date on this creation. And I can't help but feel that it's sooner than most people think. I, I, I never thought that, you know, until this last year that... Uh, the rapture of the church could happen while the McRib sandwich is still available for a limited period of time at McDonald's. In other words, what I'm saying is, life seems almost typical, and yet Jesus could come any minute now. We've been reminded of that. You understand what I'm saying? No matter how many jokes I make about what's going on in the last days, what I'm trying to help you understand is that any second now, boom, you know, a billion or more people in this world could disappear. Amen? Now, you're in the billion. Boom, you go. You go to be with Jesus. Everything you've ever worried about will be over with. Right? Now, sometime during this period of time in heaven, every child of God is going to be weeping greatly. It's in Revelation. We're going to be crying so hard that the only one that can stop it is Jesus himself. And he will come to us and he will wipe the tears from our eyes. Now, what that represents, God has decided I never want that to represent that again. So God is going to wipe out all the tears from our eyes and there will be no more tears in heaven. Did you know that? Now, I've often thought, God, what would be so terrible that we would weep so hard that Jesus himself would have to come and heal us, literally. Wipe the tears from our eyes. It's two things. One, all the things we did that God told us not to do. Sin. Amen? And number two, will be all of those people we knew and we never said a word to them. And we know we made it and they're going to burn in hell forever. So why did I say look for opportunities, use the glory of God in creation as a bridge for sharing the good news about reconciliation with this glorious God through repentance and faith in His Son, Jesus Christ? Why did I say it? I said it because not only are we needing to get ready to go, but we need to do everything with God's help to make sure we take as many people with us when we go as we can. It's life and death important. Amen? And creation is just one of those opportunities. I'm telling you that I have put a, an extreme dent in the thought lives of people before by asking them uh, and telling them about why I believe in God with the cow, because of the cow. And you get their wheels spinning and you get them thinking, you know, he's right. <laughs> that came from a puddle. That, that came about as an accident. That came about without an intelligent creator. And it's turned people's lives around. You can use creation 
to help spread the gospel. Point number two, the extent of creation's message. At all times, everywhere. Psalm 19, verse 2 through 6 says, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There's nothing hidden from its heat. God's speech through his creation, is not difficult to see. That's what my argument is. It's not hard to see. I mean, it helps if you want to see it. If you want to see it, you can see it easier. Amen? If you know what you're looking for, it's not limited. There's no chance for a person seeking it to miss it. God continuously speaks through creation day after day and night after night. I mean, listen, seriously, in Alaska, do we not have the upper hand? Have you ever stood out there in your yard at night and looked up in the heavens and saw a light show greater than Disney World can ever produce? You know, uh, the one at Disney World's man-made, really. The one in the Alaska night sky is made by the hand of God. Amen? This message is proclaimed through all the earth and to the end of the world, indicating that this God who speaks is not some regional false deity like those worshipped by pagan nations in Old Testament times. Now, why did I say that? Why do I say regional? Well, you know, you had the Israelites that worshipped God, and then you had the Canaanites that worshipped their God, and then you had the Hittites and the Jebusites, and they all had regional gods, when in reality, the Israelites' God was not regional. He was everywhere. He's everywhere. Amen? Rather, he's the God of all creation. From one end of the earth... To the other and everywhere in between and beyond, he is God. Though man in his sinful state is often inclined to worship the creation rather than the creator. In Romans chapter 1 verse 25 it says, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Even the most obvious and powerful creation in the natural world, the sun maybe. Only and always does the will of the one who created it. Think about that. There have been people that have had their whole society based on worship of the sun. Though awesome in power and heat, it simply follows the path laid out by God, doing that for which it was created, providing light and heat for the glory of God. The sun is not to be worshipped as a god, as if it has some power or authority of its own, it simply gives daily testimony over all of God's creation that the God who made it is there and has made himself known. Creation is proclaiming to all people everywhere that God is glorious. Though this message, I believe it's sufficient to make all men guilty before the glorious and holy God, The testimony of creation is not sufficient to bring salvation. Do you hear that? You you just can't worship God's creation and get saved. Amen? You need to worship the Creator. The testimony of creation is not sufficient to bring salvation, which only comes through hearing and responding in repentance and faith 
to the gospel of Christ. As you look at the glory of God in creation, pray for those who are verbally sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth, telling people how they can know this glorious God in a personal way. At the same time, ask God how he would have you be part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth through praying, through giving, and listen carefully, even going. Amen? I've always wanted to pastor a church that once a year they pooled their resources and their prayer lives and in preparation and went and found some project to do in another country. You know, building churches, um, Bible colleges, you know. And you know, the, the structures we're talking about aren't that expensive in third world countries. They're just not. It's doable. Amen? It's doable. We need to pray about that. In conclusion, you know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had direct fellowship with God, the one about whom the creation sings. That's what the Bible says. Creation sings about God and to God. After the fall, their direct fellowship with God was broken because of sin. Though likewise affected by the fall, creation continues to sing forth the glory of God who made it, making known to all men his existence and man's accountability to him. How do I know it's true? How do I know that's true? Jesus himself said, if you don't want to worship me, the rocks will cry out in your stead. And I'm going to tell you something. If God, if Jesus said it, it can happen. Amen? The rocks will cry out if you fail to call out to me. Cry out to me, right? You know the, uh, the two uh, brothers that were disciples? Uh, I wasn't planning on saying this, but if I rehearse the story, you may remember it. They were sent out by Jesus Christ to preach the gospel. And he talked about, you know, um, don't take anything with you. Go stay in there in someone's home. Preach the gospel. And if they reject you, just knock the dust off your feet. Now, why did he come to that point where he said, just knock the dust off your feet and move on. It's going to be worse for them than for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day, right? Why did he tell them that? Because they said, Jesus, they rejected you and your message and us. Do you want us to call down thunder from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus went, by jinkies, no, I don't want you calling. Now, are you stupid? You can't do that. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, just knock the dust off your feet and move on. Because it's going to be worse for them in, the day of Sodom and Gomorrah, in that day than Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Jesus did not say that they did not have the power to call down what's part of creation, lightning and thunder, Amen. Man, I'm glad Jesus put the brakes on. Amen? Because they just trusted Jesus, took him at his word, and man, they would have tried to call down thunder and lightning. Amen? All right. Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 20. And this is our closing verse of Scripture. Romans 8, 19 through 22. For the creation, say that with me. For the creation, say it again. For the creation... It waits with eager longing for the, for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, now, what did it just say? All of this planet, right? For, that's the creation, right? For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, right? Adam and Eve did that, right? Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it 
in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Notice how that's linked to us. Number one. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth right up to now. You know what that reminds me of? Every time there's an earthquake, it reminds me that the earth is groaning. It's groaning. The earth is groaning. And, and I liken the, an earthquake to the groaning of pain. Things in this planet are adjusting. Uh, plates are moving, you know. Uh, things are happening. And, 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 you know, just the other day, we had a seven-plus earthquake here, you know, a couple years ago. And then over in something like Indonesia, they had a 6.2, and it was total devastation. I mean, all the buildings collapsed, all those things. God, God's blessed America. He has, all right? Now, uh, with his building code and all that, and he certainly watched over the people of Anchorage. No one got seriously hurt. No one died, right? And, and about a dozen homes, though, were really... Might as well, for all intents and purposes, destroyed. I was up north at work. My wife was here. She went through it, and she was on the phone with me, and I'll never forget that as long as I live, not being able to be there to shield my wife and protect and watch over her. But I think of it when I read this scripture, earth is groaning. Have you noticed that? And now we have ways of keeping up with earthquakes now. But now you know about every earthquake that happens everywhere in the world. And guess what? They're happening every few minutes somewhere, right? The earth is groaning. So I I wrote three things here about this passage of Scripture. You can go back and read it later. Number one, there's the groan of pain. Number two, it talks about the groan of longing. And number three, it talks about a groan of hope. They're not all bad, amen? A groan of pain, a groan of longing, and a groan of hope is involved in those passages of Scripture. Knowledge of God's existence through creation uh, can't give salvation. Not that alone. Amen? Just because I believe God created this planet and that He's real. You know, even the devil and the demons believe that, but they can't get saved by it. They're not going to get saved by it. They even believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and they can't get saved by it. But neither can we get saved just by accepting the fact that God created this planet. All right? However, the God who speaks through his creation has made it possible for man to be reconciled with him through the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, through whom, and for whom all things were made. All things were made. Isn't that exciting? That's message number two. Uh, We got three more to go. God speaks even today, amen? He speaks even today. Stand with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Then you got time to fellowship together. We're out a little early, earlier than we normally are. Before I pray, I want to thank you for every time that we come together, I know that, you know, we, get, we, 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 we reach out more to God in prayer and worship. Just, let's just keep going. Amen? Let's just keep going. It gets better, and it gets better, and it gets better. Amen? And we just need to keep moving forward. Amen? Father, we love you so very much. We thank you for every opportunity we have to come to this place and be together, to come against the powers of darkness in the name of Jesus, because 28 people uh, gathered in His name, Your name, Father, in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ, can set many hundreds of thousands of demons to flight. So we take dominion over our 
area over our city in Jesus' name, over every church that lifts up the name of Jesus, that the powers of darkness would flee, terrified of the name of Jesus and his shed blood. In his name we pray. Father, we thank you for watching over us, changing us, convincing us, Lord, of all of the truths of your word. Help us to escape the blindness of this world, Father. They would try to tell us that uh, this creation was an accident, that it was uh, some explosion in space, or it was some primordial ooze in some pool somewhere. But no, we have an intelligent Father, an intelligent Creator. Forgive us, Father, for the times in our life that we resisted sight and chose to remain blind. Forgive us for that, Father. Save us because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and shed His blood for us and went to the tomb and then you emptied it by your power, raising your Son from the dead. Lord, I know your Word tells us that He was seen by more than 500 people after His death and resurrection before He ascended to your right hand and was seated there and even today prays for us and makes intercession for us. Father, we thank you once again for a fresh cleansing of the shed blood of Jesus Christ in our lives. Bring us deeper into our knowledge of you, our relationship with you, Father. As we depart from this place, watch over us, keep us safe, go into our homes, Father. Infiltrate, infiltrate our lives, Father. And may we see you at every turn in our lives, wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we look at, whatever we lay our hands to, Father. All for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Fellowship together before you leave this place today.